Hello, I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the creator of the sci-fi wrestling comic, The Galaxy Grappling Alliance, and welcome to Oh Men To That, a podcast series where I talk to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. The comics world has a rich history of creative collaborations with writers and artists joining forces to produce something that's often greater than the sum of its parts, from Stan Lee and Jack Kirby to John Wagner and Carlos Esquera. And on today's show, I talk to a pair of independent creators who've worked together on several titles to date, and as you'll hear, have plenty more lined up for the future. They'll talk about how they met, what it takes to make a collaboration work, oh and there's a lot of talk about Gronks. As ever, the podcast may contain adult language and themes, and all opinions of guests are solely their own. So sit back and relax as we talk the art of collaboration. So once again, I'm very pleased to be joined by a couple of guests, both who are well known on the independent comic scene. As a writer and artist team, they've collaborated together on several titles, including the popular strip, The Whole Twoth, and the highly successful Sentinel, which has just launched its third issue on Kickstarter. So I'd like to say a big hello and thank you for stepping in at a very late hour to Alan Holloway and Ed Doyle. Hello. We are with this already a problem, mate. There's already a problem with your introduction. It's The Whole Tooth. Tooth as they do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the whole twat. It's like, how do you pronounce Cursed Earth? It's the same bloody thing. Oh, yeah. I've only realised that, that it's the whole tooth. Yeah. 2018. Two. Yeah. Well, there you go, guy. You, you live and learn, don't you? I always, I always read it as twat, and I thought that was quite... I, I wondered what it was. I was going to ask you, actually, so I'll, I'll put that side question away now. <laughs> don't want to look stupid, <laughs> do I? <laughs> You're both OK? Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Great. Great, and uh, you're both keeping busy in uh, in these times when you may find you've got a bit more time on your hands than normal. Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Well, uh, as I say, thanks for being on the show, and um, for listeners who, who may not be familiar with your work or how to pronounce it, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got into creating comics? And we'll, we'll start with you, Alan, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Um I've been reading comics, uh, yeah, literally all my life since I could read uh, with the Beano and Dandy and stuff like that. And then when I was in my teens, I discovered uh, Spider-Man with the Marvel uh, UK reprints and obviously 2000 AD in uh, 1977. So it's just been constant. But although I've been a, a writer, I'm a, I'm a, a music uh, reviewer these days. I've done, I've done that for about 20 years now. Um, but I'm, I never really knew if I could do comics so a few years ago, I decided to give it a go and started writing for Zar Jazz and Dot Breath. Doing, I've done Judge Dredd, um, basically nearly all of the classic characters. I've had a Zar Jazz strip done uh, just because I like the challenge of doing different things. I mean, I asked them once who, who's never, which characters never never been written for, and it was Nikolai Dante. So I did a two-page strip set in a whorehouse, and wow. uh, that will come out sometime in the future. Um, and so, so yeah, I started to start doing it and enjoying it. And so I did that uh, Zajaz Dog Breath. And then Sector 13 in Ireland contacted me and asked me if I could write them a story. Uh, and I did. And it was uh, it was OK. Uh, but they seemed to like it and it came out all right. And um, then they said, would you write a story about Gronks? Because we've got this uh, asshole of an artist who really <laughs> likes Gronks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he really likes Gronks. Yeah, write my story. So I wrote I wrote a story about Gronks, and yeah, this this is what happened. I met so this. So for, for those of you that, that can't see the video, I'm I'm having a Gronk waved at me at the moment. So um, <laughs> and a cat now as well. Yeah. Marvelous. <laughs> I haven't got any pets. What about yourself then, Ed? Have you always drawn comics or been interested in comics or? Um, like Alan, I've collected comics when I was uh, young as well, but I was never into drawing comics. Uh, right. Back in the late 90s, I used to do spot illustrations for a fanzine that was published in Sussex by uh, a good friend of mine, James Welsh. I was kind of an action fanzine. So um, after that, I got into comics, I think around 2002, with uh, Christopher Atkins' um, SF Revolution. 
that was like a um, sci-fi fanzine type thing. And uh, around that time, I published my own comic, uh, The Quest of Kazana, which was uh, my own character. But um, after that, no, I just uh, I didn't bother drawing any comics anymore. It was just spot illustrations and uh, caricature work. So um, as Alan has said, um, it was just I spotted the Sector 13 fanzine in Belfast and I quite liked it. And I just contacted uh, Peter Duncan, who's, uh, who's the editor of the fanzine. And I just asked him, look, I'd like to contribute maybe a few pages of a comic strip, but um, I don't know what to draw. So I said, look, um, my, I'm a big fan of uh, the Gronk. And I was just wondering, could someone write a story based on the Gronk? And there you go. Alan came along and the rest is history, as they say. I take it you hadn't planned on writing anything about the Gronk, Alan. I would never planned on writing anything about the Gronk. <laughs> um, although I'm a, I'm a massive Strongyville fan and I like yeah. the Gronk. Um, but I ended up doing um, an action strip about Gronk. So not the Gronk, it's about Gronks on their home planet. Yeah. And uh, a Gronk, basically we got a, a war Gronk with a machine gun. And um, he, he, I, I basically deliberately ripped off Garth Ennis by having him plant anti-personnel fronts towards enemies things so taking a piss of it but it was it was good fun ed did a fantastic job and that was it we just wanted to do more stuff together because also it just helped us he's incredibly fast yes yeah i have i have mentioned before about um him being quick pencils so so you were introduced by uh peter at sector 13 then and when you first started um kind of talking about working together i mean how did you know it was going to work out? Did you just have a point or did you get a feel from from maybe chatting to each other that you were on the same wavelength? How did that work for you? Yeah, I think it was uh, just the constant messages on Facebook. I think the two mm. of us on the same wavelength, you know, we both grew up with 2000 AD. So we were in the zone, as they say. So, yeah, it, it, was, it did uh, help that when you started sending pictures through, I loved them. And yeah. I like, thank, thank God. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they actually looked like Gronks, and he got what I described. He, I, I mean, as somebody who can't draw, I really like getting art back from people, and mm. all, always what they tend to do is um, make it better, which is because I've I've not got a visual imagination like obviously a good artist does. So I love the way that it's always been played with or tinkered. So it's like better than I'd imagined in my head. That's always cool. What made you um, decide that you wanted to work together? past um sex 13 and, and stuff like that because obviously we'll come on to the sentinel a little bit later on it literally was just us the two of us chatting and right. when we did you know we did another gronk strip for sector 13 um again you know quite enjoyable it was set uh, i can't remember the name of the story the strongy dog story where the guy was sending people down to kill gronk so he could eat them and we uh, had a gronk that snapped and started fighting back and after he'd done that, he was made into an outcast because the Gronks <laughs> couldn't have him on the planet anymore because he wasn't a pacifist. And that was right. that was fine. But it's nice. Well, it basically start with the Gronk walking into a bar, and it's like you don't take the piss out of this Gronk because he'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of turn it upside down a bit. And um, it, yeah, it was just uh, we 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 did a, a judge strip together that no one's actually published. Um, uh, it's very publishable. Just I'd come up with ideas and he'd draw them. And, yeah, yeah. and the weird thing is, it was so much fun. And because it was quick as well, he hadn't Ed got the time to do it because of his speed, and I've got the time to write it. And we just sort of just carried on. Yeah. So, how long did it take you to write then, Alan? Because obviously, I'm an artist more than a writer. So, you know, I, I know that Ed works incredibly quickly um, yeah. compared to myself depend. and other people. I mean the the um the, the whole twaff. Uh, <laughs> I think you should I think you should stick with that because it it it's got a ring to it, you know. We we um we, we just we, copyrighted we, it. <laughs> we started off doing those quite quickly, but then I suggested that whether we slow down and make them once a week rather than just chucking them out at, at, at breakneck speed. But I mean, one of those obviously takes two two minutes to write. Uh, it's just getting the idea, just sort of sit around and then an idea jumps in the head and that's done. But the um. A strip, say, for Bizarre Jazz, um, once, what, what I tend to do is I, I think of, obviously, the character, 
get an idea of what I want to do and I don't write it down and then I wait and then usually over the course of a week or so the story comes to me and then it takes about half an hour to write down. Right. That's pretty quick as well, isn't it, really? You're both pretty speedy then. Yeah. Um, what about you, Ed, when it comes to um, the artwork? I mean, do you... Because obviously we all work differently as artists, and I know some people do really tight thumbnails, and some people do really kind of you know high level just indications of, of layouts and stuff. So, what's your process? Do you go straight into it, or or what do you do? Straight into it, Damien. Right. Basically, yeah. I just do the pencils, inks. If it has to have colours, I stick them in. And uh, my favourite job of all, speech bubbles. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Do you actually genuinely enjoy doing lettering, or because no, I don't think anybody does apart from letters, do they? It's a dark art. I've always said it's a bit like plastering, isn't it? You know, people make it look dead easy, and then you try it, and you just think, why have I started this? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, do you kind of prefer working in black and white or in colour? Because you paint as well, don't you? Yeah. Um, no, I don't mind, Damien. Uh, either way, um, the majority of my work so far has been in colour. Um, yeah. I love uh, the Zarja strips that we've done. I've been in black and white already. So yeah, yeah. I don't mind really, you know. And Sentinel was black and white, wasn't it? The first issue. Yes, was, well, yeah. yes. All the um, all the regular issues of Sentinel will be in black and white. So yeah. We have, a few, we have a few specials coming up. So. Oh, brilliant! Oh, yeah. we'll get onto that a bit later on. Then that's that's interesting. So just going back to working together as a team then, um, do you want to explain a bit about how you do work? Because is there any kind of um, crossover between you where maybe you'll run scripts by Ed and or Ed, you'll run some layouts and ideas and visuals by, by Alan? Or do you just literally work on them as independent elements and then it, it just uh, works? I can let you into a secret here, Damien. I yep. promise not to tell anyone else. I'll edit this, this out. Make, all right. Right? I, I write scripts. Yeah, and he draws them, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, that really is. It. I, I literally, with, with say Sentinel, I will write a 64 page script. I'll yeah. send it to Ed or with our other artists as well. It's been the same, and they draw them. And it's incredibly rare that I have to edit anything afterwards or say, "Oh, it wasn't supposed to be like this." But also, I, I say I, I like people interpreting them in their own way as long as they don't deviate too much. The only changes I ever make is if I realise that maybe I should change a little bit of dialogue because it doesn't quite fit in with the way it's gone. But again, um, with with the two we've had published, I haven't changed a thing once I'd sent them back. Cool. And, and are your scripts, are they quite sort of, you know, a bit like more Wagner than Alan Moore, shall we say? Well, it's interesting. I've, I, when I read um, Carlos Esquera, who's everyone's favourite artist. Yeah. He's certainly one of mine. He, I mean, John Wagner said that he hated wordy scripts. That he was yeah. like, you know, you, know you, you describe something briefly and let him go. And that is definitely how I do it because, let's say, I'm not an artist. Uh, mm. I will put in what has to be in there. So if it's, if it's two characters, I'll just say, this is those two characters, and then that's it. I don't need to say there's a picture, there's a painting on the wall behind him and a clock or anything like that. Uh, unless we need to see a painting and a clock. I don't waste words if I can help it, because yeah. I trust the artist. I mean, there might be pictures of two people talking, and I know yeah. the artist is gonna give me, isn't going to give me the two same pictures. They'll change the angle, change it a bit, and mm. I don't feel I need to say that. Cool. I would imagine that's quite unusual in some cases as well, because I do know that you know, maybe some writers who are artists or frustrated artists as well can possibly get a little bit too involved in the whole you know layout yeah, process yeah. and how they want it so i did have a case where i had a story for a, a another publication and the artist was really really looking for the most detailed possible script i could give and i wasn't used to writing that way and he he suggested that that he should get a co-writing credit because I wasn't being seriously. I, I wasn't being exactly correct with every tiny little tiny detail, and I wow. thought that was ridiculous. So I literally I, I rewrote it so it'd be every tiny little detail. Uh, in the end, he got taken away. Uh, he, he wasn't able to do it, mm. uh, and I I took the script and repurposed it to an issue central, a future issue, which is great. <laughs> but wow. 
In fact, him asking me to do that did give me a lot more detail in the characters and story, allowing me to turn into a 64-page strip. So, in a way, yeah. it was help. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't have got that level of detail in a normal strip. No. And what about you, Ed? Is that is that the kind of... Because you've had scripts from um, several people. You've worked with several writers, haven't you? And uh-huh. do they vary, or do you tend to find that they're all very similar in, in the length or style that they're written in? Um. Well, the one thing about Alan's scripts, as he said himself, uh, they're not detailed. So they're left to the artist's imagination. Uh, Previous scripts I've gotten, you know, the writer has just gone into so much detail. You know, a guy coming out of a car, he trips over a curb, something else happens. You know, it's just too much stuff in the one panel. So uh, with Alan's scripts, they're just spot on. So you you need that room to... to breathe and create it, it is nice that our other artists uh they've all been happy with them um, with the way it's done as well which is good yeah no i think it's important because what you know if it's a true collaboration and not kind of like um just an artist for hire you know i think there's a difference isn't there where you know you you both bring an element of creativity to it whereas if you just want someone to draw exactly what you've written down in exactly the way you've written it that for me is slightly different than a collaboration. That's more kind yeah. of just a higher level, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have to say that um, Bolt from Zarjas, uh, he's the one that's turned me into a better writer than I would have been before by um, making me cut things out, cut strips down, um, and so so the Zarjas. I mean, people, some people want to just leap in and do a full size comic, mm. and I say always go for short stories first. Because uh, it gives you more discipline, and he turned me into a better writer that gave me the confidence to do long, uh, to create my own characters. Oh, that's great stuff. It's really good. You were, what was the most recent one? Was it the last one that you were in? Was it thirty-five, Ed? When you were in? Uh, I don't know what number they're up to now. I get yeah, um, thirty-five and thirty-six. You're thirty-six. Oh yeah. Uh, and thirty-seven be... with 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 Slane. Right. And what about yourself, Alan? Are you still in there? Yeah, I tend to. Uh, they've got scripts from me that are always sort of being worked on. Um, the last issue, I had a Robo Hunter, uh, I think recently, and uh, Slain with Ed. We decided that we Ed wanted to do a Slain strip, not with any right. one to publish it in mind. And that's that's the way we work. Ed will say, "I'd like to do a Slain strip, so I write a Slain strip." <laughs> we, we're not sort of going. We can sell this, or we can make someone yeah. publish this. We just want to do one. And uh, so I, we, I wrote the story of how Ako met Slane because I realised that no one had ever told it before. Ed drew it, and we thought, this is really good. And we asked the Ajax if they wanted to publish it, and they did. Brilliant. Uh, very, very pleased with that one. It's actually a good story that explains something that's never been done before, yeah, which yeah. is what I find Zajas is about. It's a good way to do stories that aren't reliant on continuity, where you can fill in gaps or just yeah. do no, you do a robot hunter story. It's not set on Verdus or anything like that. It's just a story about Sam Slade and his stupid robots. And everybody loves a Sam Slade story, don't they? Let's be honest. Oh, I do. I know I do. Got to get the narration as well. Yeah, it's it's uh, it was just that great kind of gumshoe kind of you know mixed with comedy. I, it's one of my favourites. Sam Slade always has been. But uh, so just. Just between yourselves, then, have you ever had a, um, you know, without naming any names, obviously, but have you ever had a, a, a collaboration that maybe hasn't gone quite so well? I mean, I know you mentioned earlier about the artist who wanted to be co-writer and stuff, but have you have you had any other examples where maybe it's not gone quite as you'd hoped? Or I only had one strip that I wasn't happy with, but I think it was, um, there wasn't the communication between me and the artist that I get with Ed and I wasn't as experienced as I am now. The story came out okay, but it should have been uh, more pages. It, it was too jumbled. Rather than a rather than bad art, I think it was just a case of me not being experienced enough to uh, have it as a longer story and not experienced right. with the I was working in. But no yeah. one's ever done something in. Like, oh my God! I've, no, I don't want to see this. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the people we're working with now, they because they've all got such different styles, I love getting stuff through from them because you never know what, what to expect. Yeah. Uh, we've got you know some hyper-realistic um, art and car- very cartoony art. I mean, one of them's got talk- talking dogs in. And I wrote a story with talking dogs in because I know the guy does good talking dogs. <laughs> and so I tend, what, what I tend to do is write, I write to the artist 
So if I know someone's, one of our artists said he wanted a certain type of story, he wanted a noir, so I wrote a science fiction noir story for him, which was um, based on a submission I sent to the 77, which yeah. they never even replied because they were looking for someone to write a noir story. So I sent it, I wrote this story, sent it to them, no one ever replied. So I took the basis of it and extended it into a 64-page um, Sentinel. Rejected 77 strips are actually responsible for three of our issues. You say what you've got and you just redevelop it sometimes, don't you, until you find the, the yeah. right vehicle. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of like what we have to do, isn't it, in the in the indie world? Um, there's, there's two guys who, who do collaborate quite a lot and are, are known to collaborate um, quite a lot. What, in your opinion, do you think makes a good collaborative partnership in, in comics? So what, what would you suggest actually makes it work really well, like you guys seem to have a, have a, a real flow? Never meet face-to-face, no politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably a rule for most things in life, though, isn't yeah. it? Too, right? Not just comics, let's be honest. I, don't know. I mean, I don't know. You've just got to click, I suppose. Yeah, it's mm. action, you know. And do, do, do you find that? Did you find that early on that you? I know you talked about you. you know you spoke really was, a lot. Did you just really click was, straight away? Yeah, it was instantly. It really was. I mean, it's just such a piece of luck. If if Peter Duncan hadn't put us together, we would never have worked together. And all the stuff that we've done since would never have happened. And we found that it, it, with the whole tooth, it was a case of I love newspaper strips. You know, three panel, four yeah. panel strips. And I love 2000 AD, and we did a couple for fun. And then I just, we, I just kept coming up with ideas, and he kept drawing them. <laughs> There's the first Gronk strip he's holding up. Yeah, <laughs> with, uh, the Gronk yeah. with the skull and crossbones on his uh, on his front, <laughs> and an ammo belt and a machine gun. <laughs> Gronk with no name. Oh, uh, the Gronk with no name. That's the second one. Yeah. The Gronk, a Gronk walks into a bar. The, the joke is basically that you can, uh, the, obviously, Gronk's, their heart stops if you frighten them. Yeah. And the guys, it, it, the, the bookend of the story is there's a guy in the bar going, hey, watch this, watch this, it's hilarious. And he goes up and goes, boo, to the Gronk, who then uh, knocks him flat out because it's, <laughs> it's, it's the Gronk with no name because his name was taken from him when he uh, showed oh, aggression. It's a sad story. It's a sad That's story. Sad. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, we did, um, the third one we did, we wrote, uh, or I wrote, um, a war story um, right. where because Gronk's are medical things and so I set basically a World War One trenches story on a, but on another planet but it was literally a, a trenches story and it was very serious and someone shot a Gronk that was helping a soldier and on that's a no-no and so one side gave up the guy that shot the Gronk the sniper and the other side hung him from a tree above, above the Gronk's grave it's a very dark story um, Sector 13 didn't want to publish it, but um, Dog Breath published it instead in black and white. So oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I, my stories tend to be either stupid as hell or really dark. Mm. And who were, your, who were your influences then for both of you guys? So from a writing perspective, Alan, and from an art perspective, Ed, do you have people that you would cite as, as your main influences? Yeah. Uh, John Wagner because uh, of the way he does do serious and funny. Mm. Um, Brian Bendis, because I love dialogue. I've always right. enjoyed writing dialogue. Uh, so Bendis, the way he brought lots of dialogue into his comics. And believe it or not, one of my favourite writers is Mark Miller. A lot of he's a very uh, Marmite for some people. Yep. I absolutely love the way he can write an, a rollicking adventure story with humour and action and just bot barrels along. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've got... Um, there's, a line in one of our upcoming books where one person says to the other, who writes your dialogue? Mark Miller, you know, because <laughs> I deliberately use one of his tropes. That yeah. it's, I, I put a lot of Easter eggs in, in stuff I write, uh, but no one so far has ever picked up on any of them and told me. But it amuses me to put something in, knowing that it's not taken from something else, but obviously homaging something else or whatever. Uh, I mean, the, the Mark Miller one was, um, that actually hurt. Uh, and Mark Miller's a lot of his comics have got you got some super bad guy and he gets punched. You go, hey, that yeah. actually hurt. And then <laughs> the other guy goes, who writes your dialogue? Mark Miller. <laughs> again, no one else has probably ever noticed it except me. But, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a writing nerd. That's all I mean. I mean, 
people follow artists around comics and the only artist I've ever followed around um, American comics was Steve Dillon. Uh, mm. The only one I ever, if he drew it, I would have a read. Otherwise, I only follow writers rather than characters or artists. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with Dylan. He's, uh, he's one of my heroes, actually. Yeah, uh, but... yeah, I'm the same. Uh, Steve Dillon was one of them. And all the classic 2000 artists like McMahon, Bolland, Gibbons, all those. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you see those lists of um, top sort of 2000 AD artists, isn't it? And, you know, the top three always kind of swap places with people. It's usually a Square and Bolland vying for the top yeah. with McMahon and Dylan and, you know. And then you think there's, there's so many others as well that you you know with, with Bisley and Fabrian oh there are so many, and you think it's just an amazing achievement for that for that comet with the talents and and you know obviously my age group and possibly um, yourselves um, that's partly the reason why we do what we do isn't it yeah. you know it, that's the thing that that yeah. got under our skin yeah I mean people say why do you do it the reason I do it is to entertain other people. Yeah. Well, sure, we do it for the money, don't we? Because we all make millions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that it's on a yacht. God, isn't it? <laughs> this is a, a show, show-winning pedigree cat, obviously. <laughs> you're like you're going to conquer the world. Uh, you know, it's actually a planet. Watch yourself. But um, no, it is. It's you're right. It's for the love of it, isn't it? I mean, that that's why we do. Well, it. I mean, one interesting uh, one artist that we all love and everybody everybody loves is uh, Bilard Ellie. Mm. and um we've got a we've got an artist called paul spence and he's never drawn a comic before he does his own ace garp mini comics right um but he's never actually drawn a full comic and we let him draw the next issue of central because he right. came and asked and it's like yeah let's see if you can do it paul and not only has he done it in very good time he's a very fast artist all freehand no uh, no computers he, uh, because he's a massive Ace Garp fan, and I'm a massive Ace Garp fan, I decided that I'd write a space, a silly space comedy, and we set it in uh, it's taxi firms rather than truckers, so space taxis. <laughs> and he has basically channeled Massimo Bellardinelli throughout the whole thing, uh, including daft little jokes in the background, strange mm-hmm. aliens floating about. Uh, we deliberately put a couple of little Massimo heads in it as well. Uh, Ace Garp is there in shadow. So it's all very homage to Mars Billard and yeah. Ellie. And the, the humour of Ace Garp as well. The whole thing is completely silly. Uh, it's very dark. But I think when people see it, those people who like Billard or know of the artist mm. will be absolutely blown away. And if it wasn't for us doing this little comic, Paul would never have got that chance. And I, I really... Really happy with that. I've got a few. Uh, there's another one, Ian Beadle, um, yeah, who's doing the yeah. fourth issue, uh, Misty, and which is a homage to uh, girls' comics of the 70s yeah. and 80s, a very nasty horror story. Mm. And Ian, the only thing he'd ever done is um, he want he asked me to if I had anything he could practice on, so I gave him a, a, a dread script I'd written, right, and he, a three pager, and he did it so well. I sent it to Zajaz as was. And they published it, which was great. Oh, it was his brilliant. first ever published comic. Yeah. And yeah. he's found it hard going doing uh, Misty Moore. Uh, mm. But he's nearly finished. And it's interesting because you can see his growth as an artist as it's gone on. And the way he's arranged some of the pages has taken me completely by surprise. Right. And also, I think that if he hadn't got to draw some of the nasty stuff, he would have had to fork out for therapy instead. Yeah. <laughs> The guys definitely got demons, but I'm glad because they've, they've ended up. They've turned us out a real comic. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've um I've been kind of um, virtual friends with him for quite a while, and I've watched his art grow. You know, from when he first started doing some digital stuff, and you know, being frustrated and it come on saying, you know, this is it's not working, and and you know, people like myself and other people just dropping on and saying, well, you know, we tried this and try that, and and he has grown and he's he's come along so far so quickly it's it's amazing to watch it you know he's i'm looking forward to seeing that that'd be great you know yeah i think people are going to be impressed by the art and horrified yeah. by the story because this is the most downbeat thing i've ever written in my life uh that's uh, halloween that'll be out yeah. um but i remember re or i don't remember i've read um old girls comics from the 70s and 80s 
mostly yeah. collected ones, and the and read about how Pat and people like that used to write them. Mm. And they said that you know boys' comics they wanted action, 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 whereas girls' comics loved it when horrible stuff happened to the hero heroine. Uh, you know, they wanted it pretty every week. The poor girl, something nasty has got to happen. So I wanted to write something where the, the main character, basically, she's just shat on all the way through. Right. Uh, you feel really sorry for her. And then there's extreme violence. There's death. There's a ghost. And, you know, it ends up with a gravestone. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, for kids. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like uh, sounds like a stocking filler. You know, even though it's come out Halloween, I'm sure oh, it'll be. A... <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're hoping that the sun will do a center spread on it, and uh, you know, we'll sell more copies. <laughs> the four pound nightmare we hope we're going for. Well, there's no such thing as bad press, is there? So, um, well, well, while we're talking about um, projects coming in the future, then, so do you want to tell us a little bit more about what's coming up, what your current and future projects are? So, I believe you've got is it Sentinel issue three you're on already on Kickstarter? Yep. Uh, yeah, issue three is on Kickstarter at the moment, Damien. Uh, it's achieved its funding in seven hours on the Brilliant. first day. Yeah. And I think there's about 16 days to go, I think. Excellent. But um, I'm delighted for Paul. I mean, when you do see the issue, you will be blown away with the artwork. It really is good. Yeah, good, good stuff. How many is it? Because you... Haven't you got issues right. four and five lined up already? Or? Issue four is, is Misty Moore with uh, Paul right. Spence again. And issue five is an interesting... I'll, I'll tell you what issue five. Ed, Ed, it's one of Ed's old comics, literally. Uh, right. he, he has to, how old is it? Was it 2004? Two, yeah, 2004. 16 years old. He did a Kazama story. He's his barbarian hero. It's yeah. like a pound shot Conan. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, you know, the usual barbarian type character. And uh, what Ed painted it, the whole thing, is an A4 size magazine. And he painted the whole thing, took ages. And then when it was printed, I uh, kid you not, I mean, I've got a copy. It was um, the oh, Kazana and the Legion of Chaos. Chaos is with a K because it's metal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this, this, the colour, I don't know if you see it, is very washed out. And it didn't, you know, d- did not do it justice. And Ed, a few months back, found his original painted artwork and it's so much more vibrant and he said do you think we could make it into a sentinel and um obviously i said i said no because i'm the only one who writes this shit um no i said yeah we can have a look at it so i went i went through it and yeah. re didn't restructure it just obviously worked out what panels to put on what on each page yeah. and i re- rewrote the script um wholesale to give it a little bit more depth a bit more explanation in some confusing bits and just sort of make it a bit more solid in all honesty you know i'm not i'm not a genius but i do think i improved improved it script wise um ed went away and did computer stuff uh using the original artwork cut a couple yeah. of panels out and put them on the page as i said yeah. and it came out so well it's like yeah we should release this so we're releasing it as a christmas color special oh brilliant Excellent stuff. How was that for you, Ed? I mean, somebody else look oh, at your work and, you know, I'm feedback. So, is it, is so, it well pleased, so well pleased, Damien. Yeah. The story is completely revamped uh, to fit the digest uh, size of Sentinel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I'm just so looking forward to when it's coming out, you know. Yeah, so that's yeah. one of the things I liked about Sentinel was that the size of it sounds daft, but, you know, those old digest magazines that you used to get, like yeah, Commando and things. Yeah, and it was uh, I, w- I was completely not expecting that when it arrived. It, it quite surprised me actually, but it was nice. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I got to you, or in my, in my case, uh, football picture story monthly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Ed, Ed sent me an email last October, not an email, a, a message. He just said, mm. "I think we should. I, I want to bring back Star Blazer." And it's, I'm like. <laughs> What, 64 pages? That's because I've never written anything more than a, a fanzine. And yeah. um, he said, yeah, I said, oh, it's a bit of a risk, etc." I was very cautious. So I wrote him six, the first six pages of the first issue. And he drew them, obviously, in about four seconds. And we <laughs> put it out and said, would, be, would people like to see us do this as a full thing? And every yeah, everyone who asked said, yeah, go for it. So I then used that as a springboard, wrote a middle section, and then a finale coming back to the bit at the beginning. It worked really well. Um, we, neither of us had used Kickstarter, so we looked into that and it's like, 
Well, this sounds good because if if nobody if we don't make it, it doesn't go to anyone any money. Yeah. And if we hit the target that I've worked out, we won't lose any money. So, yeah. first yeah. concern, the the whole point of any comics is not to lose money. Well, um, if you can, yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't give a damn about the fact I've you know wasted my time writing it, and Ed's happy drawing these things. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like we're going. We have to make money, or we you know I just, I just didn't want to spend money producing yes. comics. So yeah. and, and so that was great. But yeah, it was just one one message from Ed saying, "Let's bring Max Starblazer." And the worst thing about it is, because of that bloody message and us doing this, we both started collecting Starblazers. <laughs> there seems to be quite a run of people collecting Starblazer again. I mean, in the future, we we we've got being worked on. We have got um, Bad Kitty, which has Morgan Gleave doing the artwork, um, which is about a thief who teams up with a billionaire dog to stop his ex. Um, adopted brother who's a cat uh, from killing him. Uh, that's quite fun. We've got a little collaboration in that with the band Cats in Space uh, <laughs> using their logo, using their, their sort of um, spaceship they have on their covers, and we're using it in, as the cat spaceship. Right. So, right. cross promotion, that'll be, we'll, so they get a free advert on the rear of the magazine, and we get to obviously push it to their fans, which might give us a new audience. Really? I'm a big fan of the band, though. Uh, we've got a future sport one called uh, Monkey Magic, um, where I had the, the weirdest thing is, I mean, after reading all the football ones, I had to write a sports story, and mm. the hardest thing was inventing a bloody sport. <laughs> yeah. invent, you have to invent a future sport. You can't just go, oh, we'll do football. So we've got a cross between curling and aerable in a way. So it's curling on flying surfboards called Skirling, and it's uh, actually quite good. It's um, Filippo's working on that, isn't he? Philippo yep. Ronco. Oh, we've, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got um, Utopia, which is the, the crime noir one, which mm. is uh, David. David Metcalf Carr, yeah. David Metcalf Carr, yeah. He's doing that one. Um, and we've also got uh, one about Werewolf Squad. He's called The Pack, which Andy Lambert is going to be drawing. So we expect right. that sometime in 2043. Because Andy is an incredible artist, but not Mr. Quick. <laughs> he really is. I mean, that uh, is going to be a hell of an issue because weird thing is Andy's only other two comic strips he's drawn were by me in one in Zarjaz and one in Dogbreath. Um, right. he, he is definitely worthy of any magazine you could say. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just look up some of Andy's stuff. It's, it blows you away. And at the moment, I'm in the middle of writing Hell uh, Horror, Horror at Hammer House which is uh, so Ed can draw lots of old Hammer Horror Monsters. Yeah, and that will yeah. be nice with the next Doyle annual Hellistopher sequel, which will be early next year, hopefully, which is Hell on Harryhausen, so Ed can draw a lot of very Harryhausen <laughs> monsters. Usually excuse an old um, Jurassic Park type thing, but an, an old theme park. <laughs> yeah. Um, where yeah, the, the synthetic beings uh, are all based on very Harryhausen monsters. And that yeah. one is another very silly, lots of action. Bring back some other characters from issue one as well. And uh, Ed gets to draw Kraken, so that's all you need to know. I mean, you've got a lot going on, guys, haven't you? I mean, yeah, yeah well, it's just I mean, the, the other one we need, we're doing a, um, a three-ish, uh, a colour horror special. We should have three colour stories. So I'm doing three short stories while right. you know, in it. Uh, and these will be, we'll be using, we're actually using him for Misty as well, the Misty issue. Filthy Luca from the 77 issue one, uh, who has been repurposed as our our horror editor as they didn't want to use him anymore. I thought he's shame to go to waste. So right. he's our horror editor. And I'm hoping that Neil Blackbird Sims, who co-created him, will, will do one of the stories. Um, so two of those, uh, two or maybe three of them will be based on scripts that I was mm. doing, going to be doing for the 77. So we've got... Um, so that's that's gonna be a great issue too, but all in colour. Great. So um just go back to your, your Sentinel Kickstarter then. Do you want to give us a bit more idea Ed, as to some of the tiers you can get? because um, I'm sure there'll be art rewards in there as well as other things. Yeah, well the with the current Kickstarter, I think the majority of the art is gone. I think right. there's probably one left of Paul's. But uh yeah, it's a basically for our Kickstarter we usually have prints and commissions anyone who wants a picture done and um original artwork that, that tends to go down a treat 
Yeah. And that'll be the plan for for the rest of the Kickstarters to come, especially the uh, color Kickstarter, especially the Kazano one uh, for Christmas. Um, I will be having uh, four pieces of original painted artwork as rewards. Uh, AC size, yeah. So there it goes. Excellent. Sounds really good. Sounds sounds like you guys have um, got a busy old few months ahead of you. Have you got any individual projects as well, aside from that? Is this all under the central you know, banner? Or? All, all of the original art has gone. Wow. Uh, but there's a couple of commissioned commissions yeah. still available. Nice right. one. Um, yeah, looking it up on the uh, on the laptop. Excellent. Well done, guys. That's really good. It's, it's, it's tough Kickstarter. It's not as easy as people think, you know, because uh, you've got to kind of get the balance right between not having too many tiers and having enough that there's a bit of yeah. something for everyone, haven't you? you know? I mean, each, each issue has been a learning curve. Um, mm. I think this one's, I think we've got it reasonably well. And if they want to find you on Kickstarter, they just look for Sentinel? Sentinel Comic. Sentinel yep. Comic. Brilliant. And is there a catch-up bundle in there as well if people want to buy the the other issues? There isn't at the moment. The other issues are, uh, we sell those through our Facebook page, which is right. Facebook The Sentinel Comic. Great stuff. Uh, I just want to mention a few things, Damien. Um, myself and Alan are producing a few comic strips for Comic Scene Annual that's coming out at the end of the year. Brilliant. Uh, we've done five uh, children strips featuring our own IP. Uh, he's a, a caveman with a, a pet saber-toothed tiger called uh, Neolithic and Tim. Um, <laughs> they will he, they will be appearing in the annual. Plus, we're working also on a comic strip that a young nine-year-old wrote. Uh, Alan could fill you in on the details on that, but it's a very good yeah. story. Well, uh, a, lo- a local business uh, had a competition for kids, you know, local kids. I think it was up to 12 to write a 500 word story and they asked me to be a judge because I'm a local writer and I said yeah and I said well I wonder what I basically I did ask Ed and I said what we'll do is the winning story will turn into a comic strip as well so I thought they could um you know obviously print it themselves whatever Mm. but Ed would draw I'd I'd adapt it into a strip and this young lad called um Corbin Webb who's nine won it with a story set a few hundred years into the future about a, a virus that um, <laughs> needs to be needs to be sorted out, but it was it was a good it was a well written story, especially for yeah. nine. His mum's an English teacher, and he had a beginning, a middle, an end. It wasn't rushed, you know. Yeah. In the format of words, he did do a very good job. It was quite impressive, and so I adapted that into a five page comic strip, and we contacted Tony Foster at Comic Scene, and yeah. he he's agreed to print it in the annual. So this, this oh, young lad. Yeah. Story's been turned into a comic, and it's going to be in an annual as well. So for some of that age, it's great. But again, it's not. It, it just seemed like a nice thing to do, and it's. I I knew that Ed would say yes, and that's the thing. I, I was like, oh, Ed might not want to do this. It's like, yeah, of course Ed will do it. Yeah. I mean, in Comic Scene's first annual, there was a comic strip written by Ed's daughter when she was what twelve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and Ed, Ed did that, so he knows that what it's like. That's fantastic. That's really good. It would be a thrill for the kid to see it as well, I'm sure, you know, when he sees his work um, turned into something that's been not only produced, but being printed as well. What an amazing thing. Great uh, stuff, yeah, guys. It'll be a full colour strip as well, Damien. I'm actually doing the colouring at the moment. So, uh, yeah. Is that digital or are you painting it? or? Uh, it's all digital. That sounds really never good. Painting a, never painting a strip again. No. <laughs> So what we'll do is then, guys, because you've you've mentioned your Facebook page and stuff, and obviously, you know, people obviously listen to this, hopefully will want to go and check out your, your work individually and collaboratively. So do you want to give us a, a few ideas as to where they can find out about your work and where they can buy, more importantly, where they can buy your stuff? Because, uh, you know, we, we all need people to, to help us along the journey. So should we start with you, Ed? I mean, you know, if people want to see more about what you do, where can they find you on Facebook, Twitter or whatever it may be? Yeah, uh, well, my Twitter account is Edred. Is Very good. To, uh, remember, and uh, on Facebook, I have a Facebook page called Ed's Doodles. You can check out my artwork on there. And what about yourself then, Alan? I mean, where can people find out about your work and, and track you down? Because obviously you seem to, if somebody comes to you and says, will you write us a story on X, you'll do it. That seems to be the thing we can say. Well, 
to be fair, uh, all I do is apart from that, all I do is central. I mean, uh, I did I say I did do issue one of the seventy seven. Uh, the lead off strip temporal anarchy was uh, yep. done by me. Uh, lucky enough to work with Neil Sims, who I didn't know before, but is a incredible artist mm. who puts his stories together in the weirdest way possible. <laughs> and I just didn't have a clue what was going on because I didn't know how he worked. Yeah. And then you get the finished thing. I was like, oh, right, yeah, it's perfect. Once I got my head around how yeah. he works, it's like you realise that it will. He does it all and cuts it out and pastes it together. Wow. Uh, proper old school art. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's he's doing um in the next issue. He's done a football story with I think it's Barry Tomlinson. Right. Uh, which might be you should be you know it's all um not straightforward. That should be good because I like Barry and uh, I like him too. But apart from that, it is literally Zarjaz um and Sentinel. And so the Sentinel Facebook comic and also Ed and Al's Whole Truth, where all of the uh, 80 odd cartoons we did are there. So we we just kept it going. And then at the end, I just thought, right, I think we can stop doing this now. Even though I myself really enjoy them. I think they're hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, the art and scripts work so well with them and they're so fun to do. Um, the, the, The crowning moment when I wrote one for John Wagner um and we ed drew it and i printed it out framed it and gave it to him at the lawless convention he he, he thought it was very funny because it it had to do with royalties and uh kingsley offering him uh <laughs> basically a judge due to what do you want a judge red or strontium lunchbox brilliant he's a good and guy was, John, yeah. as well isn't he you know he's and, uh... and john, was, john was imagining a mansion in his head and <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, to be fair, John's been great. He's um, in in the affair to remember. I had a character, and I just thought I'd call him Bad Rock, as in R O K, like Rock of the Reds, mm. just as a, a mini, again a mini homage. And then I thought, I wonder if they let us actually use the characters as or the race uh, that Rock comes from. So I asked um, John and um, Dan, the artist, yeah, do you mind if we actually use your design? For a character, but so he's not Rock. He's from Rock's race. It's never mentioned, mm. but obviously I wouldn't do it without asking. They were both completely up for it. Yeah. And, uh, as a as a thank you, the the rear cover of the next issue will have an advert for the new Rock of the Reds trade that's coming out. Uh, I mean, John seemed to think he should give me money for that, and I I wouldn't take any. <laughs> no. You know, no. What we're doing, what we've decided is in future the rear cover of issues will be given away to friends who are doing stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we sold the first rear, rear cover, the comic scene, and it's like, oh, no, let's just be nice to people. Yeah. So they get a nice – something will get a free cover ad on the back anyway. No, that's good. That's good. I mean, that, that seems to be a bit of a trend. Um, I know there was a the, – if you, I don't know if you've ever read Mahoney's, which is um, a previous guest, Rich Carrington's. Uh, it's about a supervillain bar where they all go and hang out. And in issue three of that, he offered um, like you know some some quarter page adverts for other independent creators, you know. And it, it seems to be a good idea as well. I mean, it's something I'm I'm toying with myself with the idea. I'm just hoping I've got enough space for for uh, the next Galaxy Grappling because at the end of the day we're all trying to help each other out, aren't we? You know, um, none yeah. of us are, are really making any money, are we? We're just trying to cover no. our costs. And if you can help each other get your get your stuff out there. Um, it's the right thing to do, isn't it? You know. I, I, I do write from a rock magazine called Fireworks, which has been going for a long time. And it's all you know, all, all around Europe. And I do reviews and interviews for them. Mm. And the editor found out that I did send it all um, a couple of months back and gave us a quarter page ad for free in that, which was nice. Brilliant. I mean, sometimes it's, it's a small thing, but it can make a difference just to get your stuff out there. Because it's pretty difficult getting your stuff seen, isn't it? You know? I mean, what? What I, what I strive for is feedback. I want yeah. to know people enjoying what I do. And if they're not, why not? How can I improve it? What was wrong with this? And so far, they've been very, very nice. This is my first ever podcast. And I'm, I'm ready to be a media horn. I, I, this That's is right. the first time with, with issue two coming out. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever felt like a writer. 
brilliant. No, that's good. And I'm glad, glad to have you on here as well. It's been uh, it's been fascinating. And, you know, as I say, you know, there aren't many people that you link as, as a collaborative team in the indie world. You know, there's a few I can think of, but we can all kind of move around, don't we, work with different people. And it's nice that you get a team that works so well as, as you guys do. So uh, I appreciate you coming on, particularly at short notice as well, because obviously uh, people listening to this, I mean, we only arranged this yesterday because uh, we didn't have a show lined up for various reasons. So I, I really do appreciate um, both Alan and Ed making the time to come on and, and talk about the work, because obviously, as you've heard, they've got, you know, quite a few things on the boil that they're trying to get through. I mean, Ed's probably finished another comic while we're doing this bit. So, you know, Actually, I thought, I thought <laughs> of one. Yeah, yeah I, was, I can imagine but that's brilliant so again genuinely do appreciate you coming on guys it's been been fascinating and um if you haven't already taken a look at the uh, the kickstarter for sentinel then please do it's a great comics digest size it'll take you back to your childhood if you're of a certain age like myself and you know you can obviously track down ed and, and alan's work on facebook and twitter as they say and if you want to know more about me you can find me at uh, art92.com and instagram and twitter and facebook we're all under art92 uh, and i say this every week and i, and I mean it you know we so we only have one name for all our social media things because we couldn't cope with any more and if you've enjoyed this show remember you can find us on podbean spotify apple podcasts stitcher there's there's a million of these things out there you know and if you want to subscribe and leave us a review then please do so just once again i'd, I'd just like to say thank you alan and ed i mean i can see why you get thank on you. so well and i can see you know why you work um sort of flows so well because you, you you know you do have that very natural relationship as it were um when you're talking about your work and it's nice to see um and i hope you enjoyed being on as well you know i hope you found yeah, it fun just to leave you with a an anonymous quote that I found about collaborating and it says that uh, collaboration means never having to take all the blame yourself <laughs> so I'll leave you with that, like that. and uh, thanks guys Cheers, Cheers, and bye thanks bye. for listening bye bye <laughs>